And uh, before we get started with uh, today's sermon, let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for the Sabbath day. Thank you for a chance to come together with other believers in the body of Christ and to worship you. As I share a little bit from your word, um, please let it not be about what I have to say, but about what you have to say through the Bible. Uh, We love you, God, and in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, for those of you wondering about the title, Three Hour Sermon, uh, that's actually on the church campout. One of the kids asked me, named Hunter, how long is the sermon going to be? And I said, don't worry, I'm not going to speak too long, three hours or less. So that's my goal for this uh, morning together as we worship, is for my sermon to be three hours or less. So you can hold me to that if you want. So... For those of you who, who don't know me or don't know me very well, a fun fact about me is I have a dad. Surprising, I know, your, your really mind is blown right now that I have a father. But yeah, I've had a father, and in fact, for my entire life, he's been a father, at least as long as I've known him, that I'm aware of. And uh, most of that time, he's also been a father for my younger brother and sister as well. And before he was a father, he was a young man and, you know, fell in love and married my mom and all that jazz. Don't worry, this is not a story about the birds and the bees. But this is a story about when he was a little boy about the rat and the hamster. So my father, when he was a little boy, about 10 years old or so, he got given a pet rat. Why a pet rat? I have no idea. But he had a pet rat and he loved that rat. And he took care of that rat, and he fed it, and he'd take it out and play with it every once in a while. He just loved his pet rat. And then as animals tend to do, at one day the rat had just lived long enough and it died. And so he was really sad about it. And my grandma, so his mom, she said, hey, it's okay, JC. She called him JC because that was his name. I don't ever call him that. But she said, it's okay, JC. Uh, maybe we can get you a hamster to replace it. And he thought that was a pretty guy. He says, yeah, a hamster? I'm going to get a hamster? She's like, maybe, we'll see. But so every day for the next several months, anytime they would go past the pet store, which was on his way to school, he'd say to his mom, hey, that's a pet store. I bet they probably sell hamsters. Maybe I could get one for my birthday. And that was his, uh, and his tradition of not-so-subtle hints began there. And Dad, if you're watching on TV, uh, I love you. I'm, I'm, make, I'm not serious about that. But... He wanted this hamster, and he kept dropping these hints to his mom. And then his birthday came, and he got up early in the morning, and he goes downstairs, and he checks to see if there's any presents, and there's not. And he goes, eats breakfast with the family, and no one says happy birthday. No one mentions anything at all about it being his birthday. And he's starting to feel kind of disappointed, like, did they forget? And then his mom at the end of breakfast says, hey, I've got a present for you. I've got a surprise. And my dad gets all excited, and she gives him this present, and he opens it up, and it's a pair of socks. And he has this look of just pure disappointment on his face, and he just stands there shocked that all he got were socks. And my grandma sees this look, and she pretends like she's an innocent bystander and doesn't understand what the look's about, but she does. And she says, Why are you, What's wrong? And he says, well, all I got was socks. I was hoping for something else. And she said, well, what were you hoping for? What about all those little boys and girls out there who don't get any presents? And that's a good reminder to be thankful for what we do have. But 
she says, what, what about those? And he's like, yeah, I know. I just was hoping for something else. And she says, well, what were you hoping for? And as they're having this conversation, my grandpa is walking up with this box that's wrapped, and he hands it to my dad. And my dad opens it excitedly, and inside is this, this hamster cage, and it's got all these cool little you know, tubes that come out of it, and you make these weird little maze shapes, and the hamster has these adventures as you watch, and it's this cool thing. And inside is another pair of socks. No, I'm just kidding. No, it was a hamster. And my dad loved that hamster, and it sounds like that's a happy story. And it was for a couple of months, and then they went on family vacation that summer. And my dad left his gift at home. He didn't bring his gift with him into the world. He left it at home. And as he left his gift of the hamster at home, one day while they were gone, the cat knocked over the cage. It opened. And the cat also really appreciated the delicious gift of the hamster. So what is it that we do with the gifts that God gives us? And we're, we're given so many gifts, and we have so many different occasions where we give each other gifts. We have birthdays, or in a couple of months we have this holiday that some of you might have heard of called Christmas, where a lot of times we give each other gifts. And there's weddings and anniversaries and just all sorts of different occasions that we give each other gifts for. And God himself gives us gifts. And he tells his story, Jesus does in the Bible, about this man who goes on a journey. And on that journey, uh, before he leaves, he tells three of his servants, he calls them in and he gives them gifts of talents. And he gives the first one five talents, and the second one two talents, and the third one one talent. And the one with five talents, he says, he gives each of them, and he leaves on this vacation or business trip, or whatever. It doesn't say why he left. It just says that he left on, on a journey. And he gets back, and he asks the man with five talents, what did you do with those talents I gave you? Have you taken care of them? And the man says, yes, I worked, I had this business idea, and I took these five talents, and I, I used it to start this business, and I worked hard, and I turned these five talents into ten talents. Here you go. And the master says, wow, I'm so glad that you're able to do that, that you used the talents I gave you wisely. You keep them and keep using them well. And then he asks the second servant, what did you do with the two talents? And he says, well, I had this great investment idea, and I I invested them wisely in these different ways, and, and now they've turned into four talents. And the master says, thank you, you've done a great job. Here, you keep the four talents, keep using them well. And then the third servant, who was only given the one talent, The master asked him about him. He's like, well, I was disappointed that you gave me less talents than the other people. And I know that you're a selfish master, that you you take advantage of people, that you pretend like you work hard, but really you just make us work hard for you. And so I didn't do anything with it. I just buried the talent. And the master's upset. And he says, you should have at least invested it in the bank, if nothing else, at least earned a little bit of interest. But you did nothing with your talent. You wasted it. And so he takes the talent back and he he throws him out. He's no longer going to work for him. He throws him out and the man's homeless and that's the end of the story. So what it is that we do with with our talents, with our gifts that God has given us matter a lot. And in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, it talks about, it's a chapter that talks about the gifts that God has given us. It's some of the many gifts that God has given us. Starting in verse 1, It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus cursed, and no one can say 
that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, first things first, before I get into talking about what these gifts are, the first thing I want you to know is that Jesus is Lord. And that's very important for us to always remember. First thing is first, Jesus is Lord, and the only way that we can know that is if the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. So he says that first things first, Jesus is Lord, and then he starts this, he continues, he says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So we see that there's different gifts, but they all come from the same Lord. There's different ministries that we have to do, but they all come from the same, the same Lord. There are different activities, but all of them come from the same God. So right here, we see that even within God himself, even within the Trinity, there's this idea that each of them have their different roles that they play, their different ways that they interact with humans, but they come together for the benefit of all of us. And that's what we are to do, and that's what the gifts are for as well, is to profit, to benefit all of us. In the next few verses, in 8 through 11, it it describes, it lists some of the gifts, and it says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So here Paul just lists all the, uh, some of these gifts very briefly. And these aren't a full list of all the gifts, but he lists several of them. I just want to take a couple of minutes of, of briefly describing uh, my understanding of what the gifts are. And this is not a complete understanding of what these gifts are. And this is not even a complete list of all the gifts that God has given. There's other passages in the Bible that mention additional gifts. But the gifts listed here, word of wisdom, this is someone who has the ability to to look at the complicated, messed up situations that we often find ourselves in and to speak some good advice and be like, hey, here's how you can approach this challenging situation. And they give helpful, thoughtful advice to others. Then there's the word of knowledge, and these are people that have the ability to understand the principles of God, and they're able to teach it to other people. Then there's the gift of faith, which is the ability to have confidence in God, that God really is who he says he is, no matter what things look like, no matter how challenging or hard life gets, to have faith that God will make everything right in the end. Then there's the gift of healing, And this is a gift that really is very much what Jesus himself was about when he was on earth. This is the ability to look at the the sickness, the physical sickness, and to be able to help heal them. This is the ability to to those people who have the gift to look at people who have different mental challenges, different mental illnesses that afflict them, and to be able to help them. People who were able to look at the broken, messed up situations that people have spiritually and to help heal them spiritually. What an amazing gift that is that God has given many of you. And then God, or Paul, excuse me, continues, and he says the gift of miracles, and this is the ability, some people have the ability to perform miracles. He talks about the gift of prophecy, and this is the ability to give direct messages from God that people need to hear. 
Then he talks about the gift of discerning spirits. And this is the ability to be able to, to look at an idea to under, to, and be able to understand, is this idea really something inspired by God or is this an idea being inspired by something else? And be able to discern, to tell the difference between the two. Then he talks about the gifts of tongues and the gifts of interpreting tongues. And this is the ability to speak multiple languages well and the ability to help translate for those who don't speak multiple languages well what that needs to be translated for them. And all of us should be very thankful for this gift because otherwise there would only be Jewish Christians in the world if there was not for the gift of tongues. And we would not be able to continue to spread the gospel to other parts of the world from our own if it weren't for those people who are blessed with the gift of tongues. And then there's also an additional list in Ephesians, and most of that list is actually very similar, but there are a few differences. There's a few additional ones, and those seem to be gifts that are different ways of sharing the gospel. And Ephesians talks about how there's apostles, and that's a Greek word that means messenger, or what we would nowadays call missionaries. These are people who go out and they share the gospel in brand new places that have never heard the gospel before. And if you're someone who has been given the gift of being able to go as a missionary somewhere before, that's an amazing gift that God has blessed you with. And then there's the gift of pastors, and this is, these are people who, who work with Christian, people who have already accepted the gospel, or already Christians, but they help them grow in their journey with Christ and help them grow along this pathway he set us on. Then there's people who have the gift of being evangelists. These are people who are not necessarily going to brand new places where people have never heard the gospel. They're going to places that have already heard the gospel, but they've never heard it in a way that connects with them and helps them really accept it for themselves. So that's an amazing gift to be able to help people see the gospel through fresh new eyes that they have never seen it before. And then there's an additional list in Romans of gifts, and and these gifts seem to be gifts that God has given that are ways of us living. And he t- in Romans, Paul talks about the gift of generous giving. And these are people who realize that God has given them a lot. That God has blessed them with time and money and other resources. And they're excited to be able to share the, those gifts with other people. And it's an amazing thing when you meet someone in your life that is that way, that is generous at giving. And then there's the gift of exhorting. And that's not always a fun gift to have someone have that steps into your life, but we all at times need that person that's able to look at our lives and be like, hey, parts of what you're doing aren't quite right. Let me help you figure out a better way of doing these things. And that's an important gift to realize that is not someone who's doing, um, correcting others out of a sense of power, out of wanting to force other people to become like them, but rather you're looking at people and out of caring deeply for them, you gently help point them back in the right direction when they've messed up. It's something that hopefully each of you have had good parents or other adults in your life that have done that for you when you were children. It's something even as adults we need from each other at times. And then the last gift that Paul mentions in Romans is the gift of showing mercy cheerfully. And this is one of the most important gifts of all. This is the gift that is so close to what Jesus himself did. These are people that realize that they were once broken, messed up sinners that were hopeless 
and that Jesus himself gave them a second chance. And so they are glad, they're cheerful about being able to give second chances to others around them and to point them to the God who ultimately is giving them the most important second chance of all. And so there's these lists that Paul has across these books that have these different gifts, and there's a lot that overlap. But the idea, the fact that each of the lists is a little bit different to me suggests that these aren't full comprehensive lists of all the gifts that God has given, but rather just a list of several of them. And that there are even more gifts that we don't even have time to write down what all the different gifts are that God has given to us. Continuing in verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So we come together as many members with many different gifts and talents that God has given us, different roles, different ways of seeing the world even. But we come together for one purpose, as Jesus is one, as the Holy Spirit is one. And in verse 18, Paul says, But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Growing up in Missouri, we didn't have extended family that lived around us, so oftentimes for Christmas morning, we would, we would go over to our friend's house called the Prowance. That's a made-up name. That's, we'll just call them the Prowance for this story. But we'd go over to their house for Christmas morning, and we would take some gifts to share with them, and they'd give some gifts to our family. We'd open gifts together after we ate breakfast together, and it was a good time. And the mom had this habit her name was Barb, of she would buy gifts throughout the year for her family members and wrap them. She like, oh, this would be a cool thing to get my son, or this is something my daughter would like, or my husband would really love this, or, or my mom who lived a couple of houses down from this is something she'd like, and, and she'd buy these presents and she'd wrap them up and hide them in different places in the house. And to make sure that the kids wouldn't find the present, their own presents and open them up and know what they were getting, she wouldn't put the names on it until the night before on, on Christmas Eve, and then she would put the names on it. And usually she remembered whose gifts was whose, but not always. One time I remember her son opens up this gift, and it's this long, beautiful, flowing nightgown <laughs> with, that was bright pink and had all these beautiful flowers on it. He's like, Mom, what am I supposed to do with this? I can't wear this to school. And she's like, oh, no, that was supposed to be for your, my mother. And she takes it back, and another time, he had just gotten engaged, and he was going to be married the following New Year's Eve, a year from now. And he opens up this gift, and it was, it was a package full of clean underwear. And she takes it back, and she's like, no, that was meant to be for next year, so you have clean underwear to start your marriage. <laughs> and I'm sure for you people or wives out there, you probably can appreciate that gift. But she had these different gifts that she would buy family members and that she had for specific purposes to give them at specific times so that they could use them in specific ways. And that's the way God is. He has these different gifts that he gives different ones of us. And sometimes he gives us a gift now that's to be used now. And then later he'll give us a different gift when it's time to use that gift. 
But unlike uh, our friend Barb, he always remembered who's supposed to get which gift. He doesn't accidentally give his teenage son the nightgown. He knows what we need and when we need it. And he's given it to us for a specific purpose. The chapter concludes, uh, starting in verse 27, with Paul saying, Now you are the body of Christ. And members individually. And then Paul restates some of these gifts. And since we've already gone over some of these gifts, I'm not going to repeat it. But he reestablishes the gifts after this. But he says, you are the body of Christ and the members individually. And just as God himself is three different members of God who come together with different roles, but for one purpose of benefiting everyone. So it is that we become the body of Christ when we have our different gifts and our different roles and we come together for one purpose of benefiting everyone, when we do that, we glorify God. As you leave, some of the deacons have uh, these sheets of paper that that have a list of the gifts that are mentioned here and a brief explanation of what they are. And I want to challenge you either this afternoon or sometime this next week to, to take some time to, to really think about the, the different gifts that God has and to try to figure out what gifts or probably even gifts has God given to me to use for him. And I want to challenge you to figure it out how it is that you can use those gifts that God has given you for the purpose, for his one purpose of benefiting everyone. And by doing that, we give glory to God. Because when we come together using our gifts for the purpose of benefiting all, we become the body of Christ. And as in Genesis, it talks about how God in the beginning made man and woman in his image. So he will remake us in his image when we come together as the body of Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for the Sabbath day. Thank you so much for all of the great gifts that you have given to each of us. And God, help us to realize what those gifts are and help us to be able to use those gifts to benefit others and to glorify you. Thank you so much for your love for us, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.